Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Welcome back to Industry Tactics. Friendly Rich here with my friends Scott Thompson and Karen Ng. Scott is the artistic and general director of the Guelph Jazz Festival, and Karen is the assistant artistic and general director of the Guelph Jazz Festival, which runs on September 14th through to the 19th. And we're co-presenting these episodes together of Industry Tactics. What a joy. On the podcast today, we have Lisa Conway, who's going to be doing a site-specific piece uh, at the Guelph Jazz Festival this year. So, um, Karen, Scott, let's talk about this piece. What are you expecting? Um, if you can help tee it up, like she, Lisa does unpack it a little bit in this episode. So, um, but from your perspective, I don't know, what are your, what excites you about the piece? I um, thought of Lisa for this project because of a previous um, presentation she did with, uh, I think it's, uh, is it NASA, NISA, N-A-I-S-A. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did a similar piece in the silos uh, at Ontario Place for uh, a festival that only happened once. And it was, um, okay. uh, reminded me uh, of how, of the things, the aspects that I love most about her music. I, I've known her for a long time now uh, and have worked with her, particularly with her uh, sort of songwriting project, Elcon. Yes. And what I used to or still love about that music is um, an, a, a very uh, deliberate kind of sparseness that can happen in her. Uh, there, there, There's just, um, whether there are many voices happening at once or not, uh, there's a very um, uh, special kind of bareness to each voice that uh, I found really, really special about her music. And it's still, it's also apparent in her, in her uh, sort of sound art uh, oh, cool. and sound, sound work. So um, I know that there are many elements to how this piece was uh, created and will be processed while it's being presented. Uh, but I'm also expecting a very, um uh special kind of yeah sparseness but um or uh bareness that that will be happening yeah and it's going to be at the goldie mill from goldie mill for the whole duration of the festival yeah uh well sorry no uh it's running from the 14th to the 16th um, okay yeah okay so learn more about it at guelphjazzfestival.com and this is it this is coming up Episode 129 with Lisa Conway. Welcome to the Industry Podcast Tactics. Let me try that again. Take two. I've been practicing this all morning. Welcome to the Industry Podcast. Ta- 
why am I screwing it up? Welcome to the Industry Tactics Podcast, Lisa Conway. Hello. Thank you for having me. Honored. Honored to have you. Uh, we are well into our one late 120s, early 130s episode. I don't know what, what ep- exact number this is going to be. And we are delighted to get into your brain as a producer, a musician, a performer, an engineer. What microphone are you talking through? Um, did I miss anything? A, a violin, uh, a violinist. I'll keep going. Yeah, I mean, I a don't... sound artist. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't play the violin much anymore, but I love it. I love it. Let's talk. <laughs> you, but you started your musical journey on the violin, is that right? I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm I am fascinated by that the 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 fact that you don't play it as much these days. Does that bum you out? Um yes and no. Like I feel like I have a lot of violin guilt that I'm still unpacking. Um let's let's unpack some of that. Yeah, I just like see it in the corner of the room and it's cased and it's kind of Yeah. I, I think it's tied into like my violin journey started with classical lessons. There you go there. And um, hence the guilt, the guilt begins. Yeah. It's like guilt is kind of intertwined. Unfortunately, I think with, with classical childhood, and- classical lessons. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. But I, yeah, I really like the instrument. It just, uh, I'm kind of at the point where I've gotten so much worse that every time I try to play again, it's extremely frustrating mm-hmm. and then it makes me not want to play. So I'm kind of in like a spiral of not wanting to play. But I also found yeah. out that um, like, I think part of the guilt is tied into thinking that I chose to play the violin when I was four. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the narrative that I had written for myself. But then I found out a few years ago, it was actually just that somebody offered to teach me for free. Okay. So that kind of relieved a lot of pressure that that's... I'm not like letting down my childhood self. I just, maybe it's not my instrument, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to play it. And um, no, no, no. I, I, I love that. And I can, I can relate to, to a lot of that. A lot of those, those emotions, that sentiment of like, the the guilt but i'd never heard it put that way you know i've heard of all kinds of variations on guilt catholic you got your catholic guilt you know you got all the very all the all the spectrum of guilt never heard violin guilt that's a whole other word so we're into it immediately into industry tactics with lisa conway thank you for bringing that to the table no problem um you grew up in british columbia is that right i did yeah in the north. Um, in the north, okay. Yeah, like uh, I grew up in a rural situation, um, like on fa- five acres, half an hour uh, outside of a town called Smithers, which is about a 13-hour drive if everything goes well from Vancouver. So it's pretty far. Holy shit, that. I never realized Smithers was that far from Vancouver. That's that's bonkers. It is, yeah. yeah. It is kind of bonkers, um, but it's a pretty musical mm-hmm. uh, 
community. So um, I got a lot of opportunities that I think I maybe wouldn't have in a different community or city. And do you still have family there? My parents moved to uh, Victoria, actually. So I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't have family in Smithers anymore, but um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, still like a lot of people that I went to school with are there and a lot of people that I know. Was uh, you you got fond memories looking back on it or or yeah for sure I think yeah. I have fond memories now like when I was a teenager mm. I really wanted to leave and that's why I moved to Toronto okay. immediately okay. after I graduated high school and went to York because I was just like I hadn't even been to Toronto but I was like Whoa. I want to go to the biggest city in Canada because I want to like just walk down it. the street yeah walk yeah. down the street and and not have my mom know that I'm skipping school. I just want to like be anonymous and be around a lot of people that I don't know. Were were you <laughs> skipping were you skipping school uh outside of Smithers? No, I was a pretty good student, but okay. I mean I did I did skip class and then my mom would know. Just right because away. it was such a small town. Yep. Damn. Mm-hmm. So you get to you get to York and you 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 start skipping more freely. Exactly. No. Right. No, um, yeah, I, 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 I decided to go to York too, also because, um, my fiddle mentor yes. uh, was Oliver Schroer and oh. he, yeah, he was teaching a bunch in Smithers. He was just teaching fiddle camps up there. Oh, amazing. So he was, amazing. yeah, he was from Toronto and he was a cool person that I met and oh, how, how uh, went great. to York. So, yeah, I was like, okay, I guess that's what I should do. I should just go to York because Oliver's cool oh. and Toronto must be cool. So, oh, wow. And was Oliver, was he a, 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 did he teach at York as well? He didn't teach at York, but he studied at York and he um, talked a lot about Casey Sokol. Sokol. Okay, great, um, great. So, that was kind of part of my reason for going to York. And, oh, wow. Yeah, I just, I didn't want to, it was pretty limited. I, I don't know if it's changed. It, it maybe hasn't changed, but as a violin player that wasn't really interested in playing classically, yeah, um, I didn't really know where else to go, where mm-hmm. I could just kind of like do a bunch of different things, what, like improv. <laughs> was York good to you that way? Like, did it really open up your mind to you helping you find yourself and your voice as a musician and creator? Yeah, I guess yes and no. Like um, Casey's class was a really big, uh, had a really big impact on me, mm-hmm. the improv class. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we also improvise for a lot of dancers and oh wow. uh, I'm still friends with some of them and still write music. Uh, Amazing. For some of them. And that was like first year university. So that's pretty wow. big. Wow. Um definitely like a lot of friends like i met karen at york i don't know a lot of people that i still play with um i met through york but i didn't actually do like a lot of like recording or electronic music at all oh that that came later eh or was that just part of it and you you just didn't do it at york i was making demos like i always was making demos of my songs since i was in high school but yeah um, it didn't really seem like part of school. I, I don't know why things kind of seem separate. Yeah. To 
Yeah, I can relate to that too, because I think I think these schools, no matter, and I know York is super like, um, what's the word, progressive in its approach to music education, but I still think at the end of the day, like the magic of a lot of the magic of what happens, and I'm assuming your creative life still can't be fully. Uh, boxed into to to the way we do school and so i i don't know that that might be wrongly put but i just feel like i i could ju- i just that really resonated with me what you said there and even, probably even more for me who went to u of t where it's just like ah forget it you're not gonna get you're not gonna find it's not that i didn't find my musical family at u of t there were certainly some like-minded weirdos but it didn't feel like real life. Like the real life happens elsewhere, right? It happens on tour. It happens with the musicians that you connect with. It happens in the studio. Uh, it happens late at night, just creating on your own. You know, it's just so all of those weird places. But you can't really replicate that and give it a grade, I've, I've found over the years. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I would definitely agree. And I mean, even though York was like progressive in the way that I didn't have to declare an official instrument and I was able to take improv and composition and like I took jazz saxophone, but actually on the violin with Matt Brubeck with matt brubeck so that was like my loophole um you you really went around that you took jazz saxophone on the violin taught by matt brubeck through a cello tell me it was through a cello you taught the sax through a cello amazing brilliant and i remember showing up to my jury and they were kind of like confused a bit for a second and i was like sorry um that's kind of easy enough to follow isn't it yeah this was all fine. It was all fine, but wow. it was still like conservative, I guess, in yeah, that yeah. we like everyone had to take harmony and counterpoint. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't know. There were like rumors that there was this amazing Pro Tools studio that none of the students could use. Oh, far out. Um, yeah. Just stuff like that where you're like, why are we like if you would let us write a nocturne for like a bunch of electric bases, why are we even writing a nocturne? Like, yeah. Let's just like take it to the next step. Right. Nice one. Nice one. You know, it'd be cool if like it was more like a video game education. If it was more like year one, you just get ac- you get access to a you get a crackle box. They ju- they give you a crackle box, and then year two, you eventually get into like a Pro Tools suite, and then year three, it's like so every year they're unlocking more access to the gold. That would be kind of fun. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. We're reimagining what it could look like, right? Maybe it was like that for other people too. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anyone that got into that Pro Tools suite. Still waiting for my invitation, but. Yeah. I find. uh, What's that? Maybe some VIPs got in. Yeah. Yeah. You wonder. Um, So. But you finished, you got through it, right? You graduated. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I graduated. And um, I guess something like of note that happened at York too, is I took a, a um, class in sound art that was actually like as a visual arts class, <laughs> not as, uh, even in yeah. the music department um, with Mark Carew. And mm-hmm that was kind of what led to me doing my master's in, in sonic arts. Cause that kind of like 
really opened my mind because nobody was really talking about electroacoustic music no. that much in the music program. So I get I get a little upset hearing that too. It's like the real game changer for me. The thing that I I'm gonna say, even though I thought we were done talking about York, is the most important thing in a lot of ways. Is like, yeah, I went outside of the music department. And that's where I got my music education. I got taught jazz saxophone through the the lens of a cello on mm-hmm. a violin. In other words, you took visual art. You, you took a. You went to the visual art to learn the real music, the the sound art. That's great to me. That that's, and that's not like there's a pattern there, right? Like I think all, the, all those weirdos I'm talking to at Guelph um, in Guelph um, doing the music program through the English department through the back door that you got to get that secret key to like it's there's something there there's a there's been a thread through a lot of these podcast um, interviews where I'm talking about visual arts and its impact on experimental music and I I, and here you are again um, Mm -hmm. someone who approaches sound in in that unique way Um, you you were moved the most or, or you had that that experience through York visual arts, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's strange when you say it out loud, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful that I took that class because I I kind of just didn't know that even in my songwriting approach before then, I was kind of really interested in textures and like collaging things together and just, yeah, making things and thinking about sounds in a way that was outside of genre or um, any sort of like, yeah, idiom, I guess. And um, yeah, it was just like such a relief <laughs> to to um, find out about other artists that were like making stuff in that way with that framework. It's like, oh, yes, <laughs> I'm not alone in this. And all of this stuff is super cool that people are making let's um let's take a a breather and listen to the form of space from your 2016 record moon milk like the way i pronounced that mhm nailed it <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're very proud of these strings and you should be this string arrangement is beautiful thank you here it comes now the form of space
That was that was absolutely beautiful and a, a stunning uh, string arrangement. What um, what can you tell us about that tune? Who's playing on that with you? Ooh, I'm gonna have to look on Bandkip. Um, uh, there's a lot of people playing on okay. that tune. I'm gonna have to. I should know off the top of my head. I'm a bit spacey right now, but oh, it's okay. Um, you, we're, you're dialing in from space. It looks yeah. like, yeah, no. I'm dialing in from space. Yeah, no, it is all. I'm very into 
my Bandcamp credits. So everyone is okay. on the Bandcamp page. I'm what's very um, what's your Bandcamp, Lisa? Uh, it's elcon.bandcamp.com. Okay, so go to elcon.bandcamp.com to get the the um, the details on this Moon Milk, and that was the form of space. What can you tell us about that track? What a beautiful string arrangement. We know that. Damn. <laughs> um, well, that track was, I wrote a, uh, an album based on Italo Calvino's Cosma Comics. So that uh, form of space is one of the stories in that oh, amazing. Uh, collection. And um, it's kind of about a love triangle uh, about three characters falling through space and uh, kind of their interactions as they're falling through space together infinitely um but uh yeah it it was a really like diy uh recording affair and just lots of separate uh, sessions at friends studios and stuff and i think the first time i've layered a, a string quintet over top of itself and i found that uh to be quite fruitful as a recording technique how many how many times do you remember layering it i think it was just twice but that's um, cool so it's like it's like doubling a track but you did it with so that essentially it's 10 violins going yes that's that's cool yeah i maybe shouldn't well whatever everyone can know about this uh it just creates like a a lusher sound obviously and there's something really special about people playing together in a room like i've as a former violinist i did a lot of like overdubbing my violin a lot uh, when i first got into recording but it's just not the same i guess it's different people different instruments yeah there's something magical about that nice nicely put um and i love the so you did that a little bit here a little bit there in 2016 yeah i guess um some stuff in toronto and then um, my partner Andrew Collins was doing a lot of engineering and helping out with with stuff. It was just kind of all over the place wow. in terms of the recording. Like I, it wasn't like we went into the studio yeah. for a couple of weeks and then came out with a record. It was like all of these people are available in two months. <laughs> yeah, let's do a session kind of thing. So I know where you end up. You end up in outer space where we find you today. But there, there are. There's a path to, to the wildlife sanctuary sound, which is, I know you, you, you launched this, this studio with your partner, mm-hmm. uh, and that's been a few years in the making, right? That's after, I guess, this, uh, this, this moon milk. That would have happened after that, that you would have moved to Gray County. Is that right? Yeah, kind of. I I actually, I think the vocals on Moon Milk were the first things that we recorded. Okay, so it's around there. It's in the making of that. Yeah, it was around 2015, I think. I mean, I want to learn about, um, you you go to Ireland for your master's, is that right? Yes, Northern Ireland, Belfast. There's randomly a Sonic Arts Research Center at Queen's University in Belfast that... I guess Stockhausen. Oh his, shit! His signature is on the building, but I don't. Yeah, like he, his signature is on the building, but I think he was like there. Yeah. One time, he yeah. apparently like wore all white, like an all white suit, and he yeah. tried to do his helicopter 
quartet, 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 yeah. quintet, and um, it, he wasn't really able to do it because it's Belfast and there's always like politics going on um amazing amazing so i don't think he was super involved but um wow. yeah i i did a, a master's in sonic arts there um what were the highlights what were the highlights for you Ooh, lots of highlights like i think um it was a really open program which was a good fit for me mm-hmm. um i did learn like max msp and focused on kind of composition and performance practice. My thesis piece was for many speakers, um, 32 speakers. Um, but it was a really small class. Like there are only nine master's students. So that, Uh, that experience at York in the sound art class, did that really say to you, like, I want to go do more of this. And then you mm -hmm. found this belt, the, the Queens university through that or how did that how did how did you kind of get there yeah well there were like lots of like playing shows and playing in bands and making records in between those two things but it definitely had an impact on me because i've never been somebody that is strong at theory um yeah i Mm. i just have always thought about music kind of in a textural and sonic way and and i guess this was before I don't know. People weren't using the word producer that like I didn't identify as a producer mm-hmm. that much or I don't know. I, I, I was still seeking my people, I guess. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I just really like tinkering with sound. Hard, so, hard stop. Hard stop. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful statement. Um, 34 speakers your thesis had in it this is the brain scanning machine is that is that what the piece is yeah 32 um they have a building yeah that's okay they have a building there i guess it's four rings of eight um they have a, a building there called the sonic lab and i kind of yeah, I just thought I should take advantage of being able to use a facility like that. Um, and I just wanted to use it for my thesis piece, even though it was pretty scary, like getting keys to the Sonic Lab and and getting kind of the procedure to turn things off and on. And oh. the console looked like a spaceship. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was kind of nervous that I would be the person to break the Sonic Lab, but... Somebody has to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this piece, brain scanning machine? Well, um, in 2010, I was hit by a taxi when I was riding my bike, and um, I don't remember anything about it. I, I wasn't wearing a helmet, so I had a head injury. Oh no! And um, yeah, oh. I I kind of one of the takeaways from the traumatic experience was um, when I, I, I had an MRI that I don't remember, but then I had a second one and it was like very musical in a way, or maybe I was just like reframing it as a musical experience um, mm-hmm. because it was also really like claustrophobic and scary. Yeah. Um, but each scan I don't know if you've ever had an MRI, but each scan I keep scan hearing is stories and announced. any music, any musician I know that goes through it is like, it's musical, but yeah. You're- yeah. It's like a dance party. 
<laughs> kind of, kind of. Because um, there's all these patterns and each scan sounds different, which is, is I guess, just a natural kind of mechanism of the machine. Um, and they announce each scan. So it's kind of like a movement. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just got kind of excited about making like re- making a bunch of scans, like composing scans from memory. Like I didn't uh, listen to any MRI recordings or anything. So I, that was oh. part of my uh, thesis approach because I was thinking a lot about memory too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah making all these scans. That that's really heavy and moving. Um, thank you. Uh, can can we hear a little bit of that? You you provided a recording of that, right? Yeah, I did. Um, just the first two kind of movements in a stereo reduction, which the, the thing that was kind of weird about, or yeah, I it it's really was a hard piece to capture because I built so much of the dynamics into there being thirty two speakers. Yep. So, um, yeah, I I made a stereo redux, but yeah, it's so not you quite you, you kind of needed to be in the building to really get it to really experience. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, w- w- we appreciate what we have here. This is a, a redux. What? A redux yeah. of brain scanning machine. And when was this was 2000 what? 2010? No, no, that was when the you had your, your 2014. 2014. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm.
that is that is a powerful piece of work there. I got to say this um, brain scanning machine and your I'm it. I don't know. Like sometimes it really is helpful to know the context of of a piece before diving into it, and just know having you walk us through um, your experience, I think really helped illuminate and bring that piece even more to life. Um, I don't know. It, 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 thank you for sharing that. I'm very moved by, uh, by the background, the context. Yeah, of course. So, so, okay, let's get you, 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 uh, anything else from Ireland that we, that of note, I don't want to leave, I don't want to leave, uh, any of that beautiful sound art hanging. Anything else really change your perspective on, I mean, it's, you know, what's interesting is this concept of, of music theory that we're juggling with here in our, in our talk so far that I love is like, what's the purpose of it? Do we really need to know what a, um, uh, a rondo is to get down and do what we got to do on this planet as musicians? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I really do think that it, that it's very helpful in terms of communicating with other musicians. Like I'm sure I can be frustrating to work with because depending on mm-hmm. how, well, yeah, where my head is at, yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Sometimes I don't know what the chords of my songs are or care. And I'm, I'm sure that's annoying, but um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just trying to make peace with, the fact that I don't learn um, yeah. in that way. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that doesn't mean that I'm like a failure of a musician, but it's so, just a different yeah. way. Yeah. 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 It, it's like a, accepting yourself in, I don't know. That is a, that's an interesting statement, right? It's like the language. No, I, I don't want to knock it. I don't want to knock it. I just think it does limit us. The, the knowledge in a way limits us mm-hmm. like it does box us in. And and that's a weird thing to say. Like it's the more you go down that path. I, t- I just talked to Brandy Disterheft about that. And, and I think she was trying to celebrate naivete and, and the idea of like the, the essence of the concept has nothing to do with a, a lot of the times I think the, the intellectual understanding behind it sometimes. I, and then there's other times where it's like, it does make it stronger. I, I don't know. I'm on the fence with this. I just don't want to pr- make it so precious. This idea of music theory being um, so important. And also like the way we're learning music theory these days should be questioned too. Like it's uh, what That's is music literacy? Western. Yeah. Very Western, very Western. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it, um, yeah, I don't even know so many thoughts on, on all of this, but at least for me, I think that's that's why learning from Oliver and, and being a fiddler, mm. like making the transition from classical music into fiddling was quite lovely for a time because learning by ear was something that um, just was about better fit for me and and I think that's yeah translated into the way that I've been working kind of all along but uh yeah I, I guess just being 
being involved in a system where you can make things in a way that comes naturally to you instead of trying to <laughs> conform within, you know, writing a counterpoint exercise and somebody being like, this cadence is impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I love that. I love it. Um, I find it refreshing to hear you. I mean, do, do you to hear you uh, riff on some of this? Do you do you do you regret the your understanding or lack thereof of some of the stuff in the nooks and crannies of like when you come across and we've all come across these kind of musical minds where you're like, fuck, I'd kill for that mind. Would you though? Like, like, is it, I don't know. How how do you feel about that? Any regrets on the edges related to your very rich education today? You know? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, for sure, for sure. I wish that I had more chops or like at least the focus to be a player in the way that some people are like, I, I, when I started writing songs, Um, I started writing songs on the guitar and instead of learning a cover song, which is, I guess, the way that a lot of people start, I just started writing my own songs because I found it more interesting Mm. and didn't actually learn any chords. I just was like, oh, this is a cool, like shape, 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 shape. Um, But I do, I'm definitely way slower. Like I, I write my own, I wrote those string arrangements and they took me way longer because I've never really had piano um so i'm slow i'm slow at stuff but uh, it doesn't mean that i can't do it it just if i would have been in piano lessons as a kid i would be faster there there you go what a lesson what a lesson gentle listeners we're here with alcon tuning in from wherever Mm -hmm. um the good stuff it's coming in clear tonight okay we are thankful to be here with you i really love that i love the fact that you're getting there at your own speed i think that's something that's so important it's not the it's not the it's not how fast you get to the concept it's that you that you are getting to it, it who cares how fast or slow or how much time it takes you I love mm-hmm. how, how you said that. I think that's really, um, that's the point of it is that you're getting to that place, right? It, uh, you know, on your team. Yeah. I just like to be transparent about that stuff because I, th- I think in music in particular, and mm-hmm. maybe it's in other fields, like I, I do feel like the kind of, uh, people aren't transparent about their gaps in knowledge. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I do think a lot of people think that I studied classical, but like I've, I've been, uh, I've fooled people into thinking that I have more theory than I do. Some people anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, you don't, everybody can figure it out. <laughs> I, just, I just think like, you know, the, if the knowledge, if you're hungry for knowledge, yeah, like get, just get there on your own terms. Find out what you want to try to say creatively and say it. It's just, it's the, the I think what, what I'm trying to fight against is just the sense of snobbery that you, you come across a lot of in 
that's why when you're like saying like it helps me speak to other musicians it's just like well fuck them and the language they're speaking in a way i just think like like just can't if they're if they want to work with you they're gonna learn how to speak your language on your terms and that's that like it's just i just think Mm -hmm. it's weird to me that we all um when we get together we play that it's it's a bit of a it feels like a bit of a power struggle between like, and so I like how you're being open with what you don't know. I think that's, that, to me, that's powerful. That's the the piece that's like, okay, you've, you've been at this long enough to know that it's like equally important. Um, don't use that as a negative, what you don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I guess it's not too late to keep learning either. Like I'm always learning and trying to to know more and I guess I took I started taking piano lessons for the very first time uh, ever Mm. like last year or during the pandemic um so in 2020 and it was very humbling like a zoom Um, like a zoom lesson mm -hmm. yeah amazing amazing with with someone that I knew so it was like a bit more comfortable okay um yeah it was like so humbling at the beginning in a way that <laughs> part of me was like oh my god like uh, yeah but I, I love that i love that too the idea that that we never stop learning we're always kind of trying to refine that because it's mm-hmm. opening up new paths to the way that you're going to create down the line right so for sure um yeah. So, so how do you, you're living the dream, you know, I read a a newspaper article when you moved out to Gray County. Mm -hmm. I'm not actually not in Gray County anymore. You're you're not in the county. I'm, I'm, I'm ruining your idea. You're not, you're no longer living the dream then. No, no. No. Okay. So you're, so you're, you're not part of, you're not part of that. That studio is not happening anymore. Not in the way it was. Oh, yet. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, d- okay. please, please do fill us in. Um. So, yeah, I did have a studio in Gray County that was uh, uh, like a rural recording studio with my partner, um, which is the dream in a lot of ways. Um, but we actually are living in Guelph now. We, we sold it. Another dream, though, is drum, is drum. Everybody wants to live in Guelph. So congratulations on that. Yeah, no, no, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I didn't know everyone wanted to live in Guelph. All of our listeners want to live in Guelph. That is just a thing. Oh, that's great. Oh, I didn't know that. I need more friends. Um, Yeah, yeah, it was like, I guess, yeah, it, there were lots of factors that tied into it, but um it it just uh like living in a rural situation mm-hmm. I was so much driving it it just it okay. wasn't uh, sustainable i guess okay. financially or emotionally um okay. but okay. it was a really wonderful experience oh that that's nice it's i'm i'm glad to i want to learn kind of cuz a lot of people talk about doing that right it's like okay i'm going to i'm going to I'm going to buy a barn and I'm going to record a record in the barn. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, pros and cons, I guess. Right. To the, to that dream. Mm-hmm. Um, did you enjoy it? Did you record some other bands and stuff like that? I remember you were trying to run that as like a, it was a studio, right? Like, 
Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. Um, so there was kind of, yeah, there were some people that would just rent the space from us. Um, and then everyone would stay there, which was beautiful, but like also intense <laughs> in other ways because yeah, right. there are just suddenly a lot of people in your space. Um, so yeah, we rented to others. Sometimes we were engineering, sometimes we weren't. Wow. Wow. So it was really wonderful to provide a space uh, for other people to like a safe space for other people to make stuff in um, and like a welcoming studio space with windows and a clean bathroom. Oh, it looked um, charming. It looked charming. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just also a hard balance uh, between doing that and also like still trying to have my own career. Right. Which involved being in Toronto. Right quite a bit at that time right, pre-pandemic right. before zoom before zoom mm -hmm. um what were what were some of your takeaways from from that experience of living there and running that studio and 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 trying to execute that dream hmm. um well i guess for me personally it, a takeaway was um that it's really important for me and it's kind of like an ongoing thing that I'm still trying to figure out is I still really need to have my own practice. Um, I'm not satisfied just, I shouldn't say just, I, I'm, I'm not satisfied um, in, in only working on other people's projects. Um, it's kind of, yeah, important to me to, to have at least like a, probably like a 60 40 okay for sure yeah <laughs> hopefully even more of my own work um going on and um that's I don't important know. that's an important one to learn though right like were you finding that through running the wildlife sanctuary sound that it was becoming more than 60 40 or less than 60 40 yeah, I mean, there's just like so much admin stuff that you don't think about in running a studio space. And Andrew and I also both had other jobs at the same time. Like Andrew was working as a carpenter and I was serving at a restaurant. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we had many jobs and just so many, so much time spent on emails with bands being like, what kind of gear, like sending out a gear list, sending out like all of that stuff you yeah. kind of don't think about. Yeah. Or there be people being like, where do I go eat? Where do I, etc. Um, And yeah. I think something that was really tricky too for us was where we were. Um, you basically had to drive. You had to be a driver or have car access to be able to come to our studio. Right. And that was kind of a, a barrier for a lot of people. Um right. Like somebody took the bus to Owen Sound once, but it took four hours. Oh. Um, and then we had to go pick them up. Right. Um, so it, it just felt like a bummer that only people that were drivers or had car access could use our space. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so you, um, is this a recent thing that you moved to Guelph or? I guess right before the pandemic. Oh, wow. Oh, so fairly yeah 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 and then i i guess yeah when we moved i was doing a lot of work in toronto and now i'm here <laughs> do you do you do you dig wealth 
Yeah, I do. I mean, I think when we moved here, um, there's definitely like a transition period because, uh, yeah, I didn't think I would be here constantly. Um, but it was a pretty nice place to be, I think, during the pandemic, even though it definitely got boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's like a very privileged complaint to be like, oh, I'm doing the same river walk every day. Maybe everybody right. feels like that. Right. That's a nice, that's a nice river. It is. Um, Two we're, we're, this, this episode is coming out in partnership with the Guelph Jazz Festival, of which you're presenting mm-hmm. a new work. Can you share your approach and what it will what what it will be? It's gonna it's gonna come out before the Guelph Jazz Festival, so it gives our listeners a chance to go and go to Guelph and check it out. Yeah, I'll give you all the hot details. Um, well, um, so I'm designing a sound installation um, that will be at a site called Goldie Mills, um, which is pretty downtown in Guelph. I go running by it regularly. Um, It's an old mill ruin and usually it's locked. Um, So it's very exciting. We will be inside and you will be able to go inside um, even though it's like open and still outside because it's a ruin. Um, 12 speakers. I'm using um, both a light sensor and river data to kind of shape the sonics and hydrophone recordings, some grain recordings, kind of leaning into the milling themes and the kind of milling patterns. And uh, I guess James Goldie, who ran the mill, is also really into botany. So there's a room, there's like a kind of a limestone ruin room and then up a room with a bunch of plants and trees in it so in the plant and tree room it's going to be like a really nice kind of sound bath uh for the plants so it's very it's a very site-specific uh creation this it is yes it's very site-specific um yeah and then i guess i'm also kind of trying to figure out there's going to be a lighting component but uh, at this point, it's still in flux because, like, a lighting component. At, so, sound. <laughs> will it be like experienced at night, or 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 both, or like like for hours on, like for long periods, or what? What do you think? It's gonna be five to ten, I think, for oh, three neat. night. Neat. Yeah. So, yeah, the light sensor that I'm using just with an Arduino. Um, is going to be slowly opening a filter uh, depending on the the amount of light that is happening. And then at night, uh, yeah, there's going to be some lights that are still being designed. Very cool. Very exciting. Yeah. I encourage people to um, come and and like come back because it's going to be a generative piece kind of just using a bunch of loops and patterns and so it's always going to be changing and uh i think my work is it's not like a quick listen usually i I encourage people to yeah be in the space and come back or yeah i like that i like that 
Are you, um, I mean, I, I don't know you that well, but as, as an artist, are you, you mentioned that word slow earlier, right? Of just maybe get, getting to a, a, a musical place a little, maybe a little slower than, than our, uh, musical, uh, the, the snobs I was talking about. Um, do you, are you good with that? Are you good with a five hour trajectory on experiencing a piece of music? Is that, is that something that you um, enjoy exploring like longer um, forms of expression, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I am good with that. Like, I, I guess I'm, it's, are you good with that? No, I fucking can't stand though that long form. That would have been the yeah. better answer, right? I know. <laughs> I mean, Sorry, I, I think it, <laughs> I think it's something that I'm trying to maybe lean into. Cool. Just in general, like lean into my my strengths and instincts. And okay, I, I yeah, like I I think I I like when things take time and yeah, and I've um. Yeah, I'm kind of mentioning that too because in conversations with other artists about this piece, mm-hmm. they're kind of encouraging like things need to be more interactive and like people need to like tell when things are changing and it needs to be like a faster thing, which um, I guess I'm feeling resistant to with this piece. Oh, oh wait, so, so so you're you're getting like feedback is that it helps people understand it if they lift this nail file and it goes right. Yeah. 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 If they can't tell that their minute, that their movement in the space is manipulating the sound, then it's harder to understand somehow. Sorry. Yeah. Or that it's boring to them. It's background music. It's just background music that they're not affecting. I guess so. Yeah. That's what what I was talking with was suggesting, but I kind of was just like, well, I really like, composing so i want to determine what things sound like right and, and i'll be in control of that and yeah 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 i don't know yeah and i think it can be i mean we're all uh, being in a space you're gonna you're gonna affect the sound in it simply by being in it and it's just it, it's there's so many um that's a variable there i or it's uh, what am i trying to say there i i think like yeah it could be a little too on on the nose if you're for me it almost feels a little clown like which is my realm uh of like it has <laughs> it is almost too obvious almost too obvious yeah yeah i mean i guess i just like making stuff and and i'm also gonna be around in the space babysitting my my max and ableton and arduino stuff making sure nothing uh goes awry and uh i i welcome dialogue and discussion about it if anyone wants to know what's happening like i'm yeah yeah fully yeah. Tra- full transparency on what's going on there you the go but, that's the theme of our talk full transparency yeah. right and and context matters too. I think we said that earlier that I, I think brain scanning machine is a good example of that for me just in our chat here that learning some of the background on it doesn't hurt the experience. So, no. so I'll go either way on that. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I guess I, I think a big thing, the last thing that I guess I'll say about this piece, like it's been kind of a, an interesting challenge to figure out how to incorporate data to make it site specific, but also still make it, uh, yeah, interesting as a composer. Like I'm fighting against the system that I'm designing a lot. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's coming great. up, <laughs> coming up with concepts. Like for a while I wanted the river, speed to determine the tempo of the piece because yep. in my head i was like that's amazing that is amazing and then I figured out how to do it in max for live and then it sounded bad hmm. so i had to figure out a new plan turns out the river's not not a, not a great musician after all no well it just sound war it sounded warped and i don't know yeah that's interesting <laughs> though it didn't gotta do something else yeah it didn't do it for you but that's cool the concept is is equally exciting right i mean but yeah i like how you're interested in how it sounds how it translates it's like this isn't doing it for me so i'm not going to do it just because the concept is cool yeah yeah i mean at the end of the day i want it to sound really good yeah nice that's nice amazing. i love the um the background though on um what was his name who ran the mill? James Goldie. James Goldie, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm probably leaning into just, or I'm definitely leaning into like a few facts that I found out about him. Like mm -hmm. he was someone that was rich and probably conservative and I don't know, maybe a bad person. I haven't dug too deep on uh, everything about him, but um I know that he was a botanist, so okay. Leaning yeah. into that, <laughs> we're gonna leave it at that. That he was a he was a good, clean botanist. Yes, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. if people it's tricky owned mills during a certain time period, right? I don't know. Right. Oh, you're at you're. I, I I that's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I look forward to seeing you there. And everybody, the Guelph Jazz Festival runs from. Or your your installation. What's the installation called? I don't know. Oh boy! Oh yeah, I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah okay. I've been. You, you haven't given it a name yet, but for... look out for it at Goldie yeah. Mill. Goldie Mill. What is it? The 16, 17, 18 around there of Guelph of September in Guelph. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, maybe. Okay, great, and, great. And you're gonna be there too. I'll be doing right? something. Is that, is that a surprise? Should I not say that? No, uh, we're going to be doing something uh, in the same space. In fact, I will we'll be uh, sharing Goldie Mill. Um, on You're going to be taking one. some of my power. There's only two outlets. Okay, okay. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, I look forward to sharing that space with you. And um, yeah, I will, as we wrap up, it's been a beautiful hour speaking with you here. Um, can you where you are in your career right now, having done some really interesting things like go check out. Um, we don't have the time to share the whole thing now, but it's about a half hour. This, this tape loop project that uh, Elcon did at in Berlin called what is time. That's a, that's a beauty. Uh, that's a sonic adventure. Mm -hmm. um, my last question for you is what are some, you you've learned a lot going through it the way you have. Um, What's, what are some words of advice you might give um, someone that's looking to get into this creative music uh, world? Hmm. Um, I don't know. 
what advice I would have in particular. I guess I'm at a place where I'm really, and, and I, I think I've been doing this kind of all along, but I'm doing this even more. So I'm, I'm really making decisions based on people and projects that interest me. And I'm not thinking about like what lane I'm in or like, mm what my labels are in terms of what type of artist I am. Mm -hmm. Um, So not being as scared to say yes to things that you maybe haven't done before. If you like the people that are asking you to be a part of it, um, say yes (laughs) and uh, you'll figure it out. And yeah. That's really beautiful. No to stuff that are with, yeah. Say no to things that involve people that are shitty. There you go. There you go. And now we're going to give a list, starting with those people that you love and then those people that are shitty. Full list. Come on, let's do it. Yeah. Um, No, No, but in all seriousness, who are some of those people that come to mind that are like, yeah, anytime X calls me, I'm in, you know? Ooh, there's a lot. I mean, I've been pretty lucky. Um, Yeah, someone on the theme of the jazz festival and I'm not being paid to say this, um, Karen Ng, who, uh, indeed one of the artistic directors of the jazz festival, um, is a long time collaborator and friend. And yeah, I am so grateful to know her and play with her and yeah, have people in my life that I'm like, whatever Karen does, I know I'm confident that it's going to be amazing and I want to be a part of it. So go back to episode 50 gentle listeners and, and, and you can check out my interview with Karen Ng. Uh, that's great. I'm glad you mentioned Karen. Um, yeah, she's very, very good at the saxophone. I think I've offended other saxophone players cause I've been like on a Karen rant where I'm like, I only play with Karen. She's the only saxophone player. That's it. Um, and it's kind of insulting, I think, to other people, but just really like playing with her. What can uh, I say? Understandable, understandable. Um, well, this has been a real joy. Thank you again for for sharing all of your insight and experience with us today. Um, we're gonna we're gonna end. We're gonna go out with. Um, what do you want to go out with? Maybe something a little more recent. Like uh, I was thinking, winner. That's a nice one to go yeah. out with. Yeah. This is from your latest release, is that right? Yes, my uh, EP that came out in 2019, which is Old Hat, according to the music industry. But What's it called? Um, the EP is called Whatever. And okay. um, yeah, it's uh, four tracks. And the song Winner is one of them. Well, here it comes now, winner, and go to alcon.bandcamp.com to learn more mm-hmm. about, about your incredible body of work. Uh, keep up the great work, and we'll see you in Guelph. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And here it comes now, winner.
Thank you, Lisa, for being a part of the Industry Tactics podcast, partnering up this month with our friends from the Guelph Jazz Festival. Uh, Scott Thompson and Karen Ng, what did you think of that interview? She's a very... Karen, did you hear? She, she actually said to you, Karen, she said, you're the only sax player she will ever... Eat. When she thinks of sax players, you're the only one. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, we're just giant, gushy, super fans of each other. What can I say? I you got to love that. <laughs> Scott? It's been a pleasure to get to know Lisa a little better. Um, mm-hmm. She moved to Guelph in the last, uh, what, what, Karen, year and a bit, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so because we're more often in the same place, we've had occasion to see each other more. And she's uh, brilliant. A uh, very, very smart and talented woman. And it's amazing to be able to present this kind of work uh, in the context of our festival. It wasn't, it wouldn't necessarily be the first thing that we might have thought of in a typical year, but this is an atypical year and it invites atypical programming. And I think this is kind of perfect for it. I should add that the origin of the project was, um, well, it, it, the piece remains a collaboration with. IC, the International Institute for Critical Studies and Improvisation. Um, They did an event this month called IF. Yes. And uh, originally the proposal was for a combination of online-only programming and site-specific installations and performances. Mm -hmm. And uh, Karen and I, being less inclined toward doing online-only programming, we opted for the latter. And it was Karen's uh, suggestion that we work with Lisa. And I thought that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And we started putting that into place for um, an installation that would take place this, this August, this month. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, the folks at IC opted for an online only event. And we were all too happy to shift this project with Lisa to our festival proper um, to, to get the programming a bit more shape and dimension. And I think it achieves that goal very nicely. And I'm really looking forward to seeing and hearing what she has to offer. It was very cool that when she mentioned the, the whole bit, like, yeah, she was in the, um, I guess she was helping with arborienteering as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. She was a, a site coordinator uh, or stage manager. And it's Love difficult it. to, yeah. to say what, what the, exactly her role was. Um, but mostly she was, she was helping to make things run on time. And it's a piece that is most effective when things run on time. So we're grateful for her contributions there too. No, it was neat to hear that, that she, that, that now the festival, you know, community building, right. The whole thing (laughs) kind of just keeps growing every year. And that's nice to, 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 to hear when in that interview, it seems to me that somebody with the talent and the imagination of Lisa Conway should have a place in the Guelph Jazz Festival orbit. Mm. It isn't necessarily obvious right away what that might be, but then over time, these opportunities present themselves and here we are working together. And I think that's, I think that's excellent. I'd like to continue to foster such uh, collaborations and partnerships. Well, wonderful. Um, Tune in next week. We're going to have Scott and Karen back and we're going to talk about uh, their essay. We're going to unpack a little bit of um, 
the state of that we're all in here with um, live music in a pandemic and how we've uh, we're managing to come out of that. So thanks again, Scott and Karen, for uh, for all that you do. Go to GuelphJazzFestival.com to learn more. And we'll see you again next week with our special guest, Nick Fraser, on, on the podcast. Been wanting to talk to Nick for a long time. So tune in next week and we'll see you soon.